0: Welcome to the Progressive Britain Podcast. This is the extra show where we talk about some of the big issues in the week, but in bite-sized chunks. I'm Connor Pope and I'm with Progress Deputy Director, Stephanie Lloyd. Hi, Steph. How are you doing?
1: I'm all right, Connor.
0: How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I think the big thing that we want to talk about this week is um John McDonnell.
1: Well, and Brexit. It, what a shocker. What a shocker we're talking about, Brexit.
0: <laughs> but John McDonnell in particular, he basically made some it sounds about Almost changing labour policy, it feels like.
1: Well, I don't think he is changing labour policy, but I think what he's actually doing is talking about it in far more realistic and slightly more robust terms. So, basically, in the way that the joys of labour party policy works is it basically said we will vote down the deal if it doesn't meet labour's six tests, which it never would. We would then call for a general election, which is unlikely to happen. And then if not, all options remain on the table, including a people's vote. Mm. And I think basically what he said was just, and mostly then the front bench ever since have been like, well, just all options remain on the table. And they were always very vague about what would happen post the general election if that wasn't happening. Whereas I think to be fair, he was just quite honest in terms of the sense that he was like, it would become almost inevitable that that's what they would call for. Which to be fair is a very big step change for John McDonnell considering the day after this went through, when a party conference mm. when there was the big compositing meeting he then spent the entirety of the next morning touring all the tv cameras saying that brexit means brexit we would leave and that you know even if there was another referendum remain wouldn't even be on the ballot mm. um so it is a really big step for john mcdonald to be the person doing this and again a kind of another indication sometimes of him positioning himself ever so slightly differently from jeremy yeah
0: and you know as, as you say he Said this time that Remain probably would be on the ballot, and No Deal definitely, under no circumstances, could be on the ballot. Mm. Which is uh, obviously a very relieving thing to hear. There, are, you know, there's been stories recently about him having meetings with Alistair Campbell, uh, who is kind of there on behalf of the People's Vote campaign um, ahead of ahead of this kind of uh, change of vocabulary. Uh, and and it, and it, essentially, what what is interesting here is the fact that. Some Labour spokespeople who we don't know definitely who they are, but seem to deny what the Labour policy is. Mm. They certainly do this around um, the single market. They say that our policy hasn't changed on the single market. But actually, if you look at the, what was passed at conference, it definitely has. Definitely And we, has, we, yeah. we, de- we essentially do have a pro-single market uh, policy now. And similarly, they are claiming now that um, what John McDonnell is saying doesn't, Uh, equate to a change in Labour policy but it does equate to a change in rhetoric and Mm. how we prioritise things after um, a general election and those things are quite interesting and they are clearly going in the same direction which is more anti-Brexit and more uh, pro a people's vote.
1: And that's where the party membership are overwhelmingly in terms of that so it doesn't necessarily surprise me that this is where he's going he's always he likes to kind of steer himself towards that.
0: Yeah, that is the, that is a really interesting element of it, is why he's doing it. And mm. and frankly, I don't really believe that it's just because Alistair Campbell went and convinced him. It, I think it, it... seemed
1: unlikely. As, <laughs> yeah, yeah. as fabulous as Alistair is in terms <laughs> of being able to change some people's minds, uh, I would be shocked if that was the reasoning behind it.
0: But I presume he both has a feeling that uh, there has been a shift in opinion, both within the party and outside of the party, yes. I don't think he would have done it unless he felt that there was a reason. And I uh, think,
1: you know, and it's getting to the point now where you know, um, you know, it was very easy to say even three months ago. This all feels very hypothetical. Let's wait and see what happens. Mm. Um, you know, it's about what's going to happen in Parliament, but now it seems so unlikely that anything is going to get through Parliament in terms of a deal or the with the deal no the withdrawal i don't know the Allison withdrawal will shout, agreement yeah, will yeah. shout as if we get it wrong it's <laughs> not a deal um it's just how we leave but you know it is now becoming you know there's obviously still the opportunity that it could go through i think there are ways uh where something could go through parliament we spoke mm. about some of that last week in terms of some of their tactics for it but you know it is now far more important that and political parties being asked far more often now what will you do if it doesn't? Because that does seem by far the most likely scenario. But we're going to have some TV debates to talk about it though, aren't we?
0: Absolutely. They'll um, be thrilling. So as we talk on... um...
1: If only people could see my eye (laughs) roll.
0: As we talk on Thursday afternoon, it currently is, Theresa May has agreed to the BBC format of the debates and Jeremy Corbyn has agreed to the ITV format of the debates. I think in the ITV format, it would just be Corbyn and May... And uh, one person asking the questions in the BBC version, they would have uh, an audience featuring prominent campaigners of all different uh, perspectives on the Brexit debate who would be able to put questions uh, to both of the leaders.
1: And they would also have questions via social media as well from the public. Uh,
0: I'd, not, I'd, oh, not, yeah. I'd not quite clocked oh, that. Yeah. Um, but apparently that is, the, that is the format that Jeremy Corbyn doesn't want, um, presumably because it will bring in... A wider range of uh, opinions that actually he doesn't really want to be part of the debate. He wants it to be about him versus Theresa May. Yeah. But so, as yet, as of now, uh, while both uh, party leaders have agreed to the debates, probably won't happen.
1: <laughs> Who's going to win? Who's going to win? What, but, what th- I love, though, I love the absolutely absurd excuses that they're all trying to come out with as to why they prefer each option. And it's like, everybody knows that you prefer each of these options because just politically they're better for you. Like yeah, yeah. Theresa May would quite like Jeremy Corbyn to be like outflanked by the left or, you know, the arguments within Labour about, well, shouldn't we do to people's vote? Wouldn't you want to remain? Why aren't you sticking up for like the Labour heartlands and the communities that would be decimated by them? So she'd quite like that in that sense. And she will just, you know, no matter what, say the same line over and over and over <laughs> again. So that won't really be any different. Whereas obviously Corbyn wants the opportunity to be able to really pivot on May and talk about other issues and bring those in and kind of be able to be much more in control of the situation if mm. it was just a one-on-one scenario. But the best bit, as I say about it, is they're like, but what about if people want to watch Strictly? <laughs> or, well, what are we can do about the final of I'm a Celebrity? Get me out of here. I'm like, neither of you care. Stop. Like, it's so transparent <laughs> and pathetic that that's like the level of excuse of which they think they can come out with. But um, it's also really quite patronizing. But to be honest, I mean,
0: who would you like? What outside voice would you like to see, kind of uh, putting questions in, or just be part of the debates, apart from just Corbyn and May?
1: Oh, it's all a bit bleak, isn't it? Um, which mildly erratic ranty man would I like to hear from the most? <laughs> um, probably, to be fair, the only man. Although, I mean, as we've said, but like when Daddy died, it was just like <laughs> it's all a load of old, and I won't, I won't say the word because I don't want to, don't want to be rude on the podcast. But like, I'd, I'd mean, like him in as fact checker. Fact checker, where he's just like big buzzer. it's like, ah, ah, yeah, load of old crap. <laughs>
0: <sighs> I think, yeah, it's just him going around. He's like, You do my nothing, do my nothing, you're wrong. Um, that'd be great. The kind of parliamentary logic over the next few weeks is going to be, he's going to do people's nothing, I think, because um, it can get quite complicated. There is a presumption, quite complicated, th- but there is a presumption in parliament at the moment, or certainly around Westminster, this is the kind of gossip,
1: the little bubble, yeah. Connor's he loves this, the bubble. He's this right this is what
0: people are whispering about in a you know in Portcullis House <laughs> is um is that the day after uh, the the deal happens yeah uh, the, the the sorry the the vote on the withdrawal agreement the
1: meaningful vote that's not very meaningful <sighs> on the on the deal that's not a deal
0: and, yeah. we, and we and we already absurd basically at the moment we have a pretty good idea that Theresa May is going to lose that props and so the day after people reckon that Labour are going to put a vote of no confidence yeah um against the government <laughs> now oh. If if Labour wins that Mm -hmm. and there is a vote of no confidence in Theresa May, which I don't think will happen given that, you know, Tory rebels couldn't even get 48 of them to put in a letter against Theresa May. But it could. It could happen. Let's pretend pretend that does happen. Um, Then basically, Jeremy Corbyn would have, or presumably another Tory minister, would have two weeks in order to show that they have the command of the House of Commons and form a new government. Um, Now, this legislation doesn't work in bank holidays. And so the two-week deadline after that vote would be Boxing Day, which means that come Christmas Day, Jeremy Corbyn could be, you know, jumping in a black cab and heading down to Buckingham Palace, knocking on the door. at about three (laughs) o'clock. It could be five minutes. Were you just about to say she's never at Buckingham Palace? No, Everyone but... knows the Queen lives at Buckingham Palace.
1: Yep. Yeah, she's got more than one house. I don't know if you've noticed. It's quite a few. Balmoral's Christmas.
0: All right. Anyway. Can... I, hope
1: my, I hope my royalist <laughs> knowledge is correct there, but I'm almost <laughs> certain it is.
0: Anyway, so by Boxing Day, either, Jer- terrible either Jeremy Corbyn could be Prime Minister or Boxing Day could be the beginning of a general election campaign. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? Imagine getting out on the doors on Boxing Day.
1: No. That's terrifying.
0: Everyone will be in.
1: <laughs> and tell you where to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, so the, it could be an exciting few weeks. The other thing that's uh, been around this week is um, the return of Project Fear. I, I was
1: wrong. It's not Balmoral. It's Sandringham. But it's not the palace. Just throwing that out there. Um, At least I know it wasn't the palace.
0: But he would have to go to Buckingham Palace when... Uh, to, well, so, she'd have to leave. So do she'd the have talk to leave Sandringham to be made it? Prime Minister. That and is I how it always works.
1: It is how it always works, but that's why no one does it at Christmas. It's rude for the Queen.
0: She would also have to get in a taxi and go to Buckingham Palace then. She She's probably like, pre-records the mes- message anyway, doesn't she?
1: Wow. <laughs> no, you did not go there. Is
0: this like saying Britney Spears lip syncs?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it's true, but we don't have to talk anyway, about it. Anyway,
0: Project Fear, Project Fear. The Bank of England has done a stress test of no- Because
1: I mean to be fair, they were asked to.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're legally required to. Yeah. A stress test of no deal. And the Department for Exiting the European Union, DEXU.
1: DEXU. uh,
0: They put out um, their analysis of different types of Brexit, including no deal. Mm -hmm. That went out on the same day. Yeah. Uh, I happened to be...
1: Jacob Rees-Mogg was livid.
0: Oh, yeah. I I happened to be on uh, the radio the morning after with a lot Of very angry Brexiters who were outraged that this had all been put out on the same day. And they were like, Project Fear, putting it out on the same day. Is this a coincidence? I think not. That's kind of Also,
1: like, surely it's not, if they're like really enraged by that, putting it, surely you'd want to drag it out. Putting it all out on the same day means one news cycle hit gone. You'd think you were going to be clever about it you'd stretch it out it's probably not a conspiracy
0: yeah that's what i thought as well but i also just kind of felt rather than you know whinging about what day all of this analysis that says there's going to be a terrible economic impact comes out on maybe spend a little bit more time worrying about the potential for a terrible economic impact that may be
1: i don't know what kind of crazy logic you're applying there connor (laughs) But it's not the Brexiteer logic. It's the, the Bank of England... And also, don't forget, the age of experts <laughs> is over. as decreed by Richard Bergen on the Mar show. One of the most <laughs> remarkable moments of the past week.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Bank of England said that a no deal could uh, make us poorer by... Um, make the economy poorer by 8%, which is worse than the 6.2% that the economy shrank after the 2008 financial crisis. Do you
1: know what the Brexiteers say? A load of old rubbish. Project With no M. fact behind it but they just go, no.
0: My favourite bit was the was the government's own analysis of the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. So this is a scenario in which um, basically the UK gets everything that they want out of negotiations with yep. the EU. It manages to sign up to loads of incredible uh, global free trade deals mm-hmm. and immigration stays at the same level that it currently is. It doesn't decrease whatsoever. Yeah. And this is what they say is the best case scenario, despite the fact that clearly one of those things definitely isn't going to happen. The second of those things seems deeply unlikely. And the third of those things isn't something that the government even wants to happen. And they said that under this best case scenario, the economy would only shrink by (laughs) 0.2% in 15 years, Um, which I thought was uh, a a brilliant summation of... uh, Of leaving the European Union, isn't
1: it? Well done. What a sensible choice we've all made as a country. But we'll
0: be talking a lot more about the economic impact of Brexit on Tuesday's show where we've got Rachel Reeves on as a guest. Oh, so so
1: someone, an actual expert who knows things. Yeah. Controversial, Connor.
0: Literally, I'm just repeating statistics I read in the newspaper this morning. (laughs) I don't even really know what they mean. (laughs) So hopefully (laughs) Rachel Reed will be able to explain. She'll
1: probably know more about the economy than you can. I imagine. I think think that's right. But you had a what was your pub quiz question this week? My didn't didn't say that very well, did I? The pub quiz
0: question. My pub quiz question was uh, who came up with the phrase "It's the economy, stupid"? Who was it? It was uh, James Carville, the um, the guy who ran Bill Clinton's nineteen ninety two presidential campaign. And gosh. Wouldn't it be lovely if some politicians remembered that phrase today, hey?
1: (laughs) I could not even slightly take
0: you. Um, As I say, we'll be back on Tuesday speaking to Rachel Reeves. In the meantime, please do leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Subscribe to the show on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. And thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton.